Welcome to a Wholeness Podcast, a healthy home for hair professionals and our clients. I'm your host, Fliss Downs, aka The Yoga Barber. Come on in. Hey, hey, beautiful beings, how are you going? Have I got an amazing conversation coming to you over the next course of three episodes. So episode six, episode seven and episode eight. And you must be wondering why the heck are you breaking this down into three episodes? Well, I am going to be introducing you to my dear, dear, dear friend, Via Fenua, somebody who I've looked up to for a number of years now, somebody who's been in the industry for over 20 years and he started cutting hair on his parents' back doorstep, qualified Years later, he's a multi-award winning barber for New Zealand and Australia and now lives in Canada. Originally from New Zealand, this particular conversation that Via and I had was myself based in the UK at the time and Via over in New Zealand in quarantine in a hotel. This was back in January 2021. So this conversation has been sitting in the back cupboard basically of my computer and it was about time that this came to life and I can't wait to share this with you. V and I completely and utterly went all in with all the different types of topics that we could cover. So the theme of the topics that we've gone through over the next three episodes are things to do with mental health, collaboration, customer service, impact, education, creativity, individuality, competitions, self-belief, client care, respect, intentions, mentorship, and a bunch more. Honestly, I can't believe that I have not brought this to the table much sooner, but it is here. And on today's episode, the main three topics we're talking about is mental health, creativity, and collaboration. Via shares his journey into the hair industry and how he previously went to med school, quit that, and then tried pursuing a career in basketball and realized that wasn't for him either. This is an amazing story to listen to. He is full of wisdom and I could listen to Via all day long. Not only all of these amazing things about Fia, but he also has his own shop over in Edmonton in Canada called Parlor Barber. He's an ambassador for Eye Candy Scissors, an educator for Wool, and he's also teamed up with Paletti and Jabez to create an education platform called Triology. So what are we waiting for? Let's get stuck into it. Yeah, I've been good. I was just going to quickly ask you, do you prefer New Zealand food or Canada food? New Zealand food. Yeah. I hate food in the UK. It's I saw bland. your post, hey, this is not my home. I feel Oh my so goodness, I took that down. I took that down a few <laughs> hours later because that was really aggressive. That was a really negative story. No, I don't think, to me, things that validating your feelings, like you followed it up with a couple of uh, stuff afterwards, I think that's really valid. It's fine to be vulnerable. For me, I've learned that it's fine to make mistakes. It's fine mm -hmm. to feel like something that other people don't feel, and it's and it's fine. Like, yeah, because yeah. when I saw it, I was like, oh, it was friend. a really aggressive mess. It was a really aggressive. <laughs> I hate the UK. Can't wait to leave here. This is not my home. Can you feel my anger and my frustration? Yeah. I was going to message you and I go, I'll just let it blow over. I'm going to talk to her soon anyway. <laughs> and then I found that post that says, control your emotions doesn't mean avoid your emotions. Feel your shit, understand yeah. your shit, but don't lose your shit. And I was like, yeah. don't lose my shit. Just don't lose my shit. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a comeback on, yeah, it's all right. I can just hate it, but I'm not going to lose my shit. 
when you yeah, posted it. I took those posts down because sooner, well, I just cancelled the story. I deleted it because I thought, oh God, I was really projecting anger and I don't want people to think I'm an angry person. <laughs> but it also feels like I was saying it to, to a couple of the barbers here. I've done bad haircuts. Yeah. I've just owned it. It's just, it's not, it is what it is. It happens. Yeah. There are days. And I think, I was talking to a mental health lady, it's like, look, I'm fine now, but I'll let you know if I'm not. I've been told that it gets harder, so I understand that too. Mm. So your situation, you're in constant quarantine. But even before when quarantine started, you wanted to be somewhere else where you can't right now. Yeah, yeah. So, I know that so, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in constant quarantine right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you were you quarantined before everybody else had to. Like from Australia, you know? Yeah, I really did. I've been uh, on second quarantine for over a year. Yeah. So, like, <sighs> lose your shit. Then yeah. That's fine. Just get it back all in when you can. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. It all came out. That, that anger and the frustration came out. I watched literally half an hour of the news last night. Mm-hmm. And I don't watch the news. It just so happened that I was chatting to my housemate and uh, she was watching her program and anyway, in the end, she left and kept the TV on and I was mooching around in the living room and the news came on and because I was sitting in the living room already, all this COVID stuff was coming up, wasn't it? And all the numbers were coming up and how we now have to wear the disposable masks for up to four hours and then we have to bin it. And I was just raging and raging even more and how they're cutting off another country and another country they can't come in the country and and I'm just like if we just dealt with this seriously at the very word go we would be out of this pickle by now like New Zealand mm. like Australia's not so out of the pickle like they're still a little bit up yeah. and down but there's still a lot of freedom and I'm seeing all my friends over in Australia and New Zealand enjoying life going out hugging one another you know and I can't if I was in Australia. I'd be in such a better lifestyle situation right now. I feel you. I got so angry, Via, and I had a really bad night's sleep. I got to work. I burst into tears. And Mm. I ended up chatting to one of my supervisors, John, and I just said, I'm just struggling with lack of proper connection and communication and hugging people. And my profession has been taken away from me again it's the thing that's keeping me going right now being able to physically touch somebody's shoulder being able to have a conversation about how are you feeling or my son's gone and done this or whatever like meaningful conversations whereas at 111 it's just a robotic consultation question after question after question it's so cold and I said to John I said I'm getting aggravated with people not listening to me on the phone or if someone's being rude to me, then I'll put them in their place. And I had one lady the other day be really nasty to me. And I said, will you stop being so nasty to me? I am trying to help you. And if you continue speaking to me like that, I will be putting the phone down. And it was like that, that harsh. And that's not me via, but my anger was just building up. And I said to John, I'm starting to feel I'm becoming somebody that I'm not. I'm becoming a heartless bitch. And that is not me. Yeah. 
And I think if there's been one thing that I've really realised now, because I've talked to you, haven't I, before? I don't want to be in the hair industry. Yeah. It's driving me crazy, blah, blah, blah. And the second lockdown massively made me realise the importance of why I've been in this industry. Yes, I've had bad moments in it, but actually it's a fundamental part of who I am. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm really missing my profession. I'm really missing my career right now. And I've took it for granted so much. And I know obviously COVID was going to bring out this in people going, oh, I took this for granted. I took that for granted. But I think for me, this is like so significant because I've hated it and I've resented it. Do you know what I mean? We've been talking about it for the last couple of years. We have, right? Yes, three years now. Three years, yeah. And it just so happens that I'm working for an amazing barber shop and I love the guy so freaking much. And I'm going, oh my goodness, there's so much that we can do in this industry. Just because I'm 31 doesn't mean I've missed the boat. It doesn't mean that I can't educate people. I'm 38. I know, but come on, you've done so much more than me. You've been in the industry for five years longer than me because I've been in the industry for 15. You've been in it for 20, haven't you? Yeah, but similar to you, I refuse to look at the industry for what it is. I used it as just, this is what I get paid. This is the haircut I'm doing right now. I wasn't really proud to be a barber. Mm. I I was in and out of being a barber since I was 18. I did it as a part-time job because I didn't see it as a job. Yeah. Until I met my wife now. I was at med school. I don't know if I told you that. I was in med school in October, oh, and that's how I knew Yes, that. because wasn't it 12 years ago you did your qualification, right? Yeah. yeah. But I went to med school straight away after high school, so my first year out of high school. So that I was, hated how, old, how old was you then? 18, so hated it. So I worked for my dad, who was a builder, and I was playing basketball at the time. Then I hated working for my dad because he hated the fact that I left university, and he didn't want me to learn the trade, so he just made me a laborer, and he was trying to teach me a lesson. Yeah. I can't just play basketball and chase girls. Like that's that's the thing. It's like because <laughs> basketball was I was like only getting paid like two hundred and fifty dollars a week. It wasn't much. And getting petrol vouchers and Burger King vouchers. That's what I was living <laughs> off. But I was eighteen, right? Like I love that. So I did barbering on a part time up until I was twenty six. And that's when I did my barbering yeah. And and barbering part time, to be honest, was cutting from home. Mm. It wasn't in the shop. Yeah. Uh, wasn't you, I was reading on your, on your website, it was saying that you used to cut hair on your grandparents' back doorstep? My parents' back doorstep, yeah. Your parents' back doorstep, yeah. I loved that bit of the story. I was like, oh, this is so great. So I did that up until I was 26. <laughs> is that where you was doing it from until yeah. you was 26? Yeah, people thought it was shops. I was like, nope. Yeah, because so many of us in the industry have become a barber without the qualification. Yeah, so, and when I was looking for jobs at the time, I decided, shit, I'm not getting anywhere with basketball, and this is going to be my last year. I'm just cutting from home. Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm not playing basketball, I'm not getting any money, and I'm not doing the coaching stuff, because when you play for a basketball team, they top up your salary or your retainer, well, you go into schools once or twice a week and they pay you good yeah. money for those, but you only do it for two days. And I would lose that if I wasn't on the team. So, and, and so I did the course behind everybody's back. 
the barber course or the yeah. right nobody knew i was doing it nobody knew that you was going to be a nobody knew that you was doing the barbering course okay so what was your thoughts behind that what was what, i was why? embarrassed i think going to med school was a big deal yeah because that's what i worked for for eight years ever since i got into college i want to be a doctor this is what i want to be got there my first year i hated the people that was they were going to become doctors. Wow. Hated everybody. Not everybody. I hated the majority of the people that were in my class. Mm. And there's about 290 of us. Wow. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to play basketball. I'm pretty good at it. Then I realized as the years went, I stopped growing. Mm-hmm. And everybody just got better and better. And I kind of hit my ceiling. Okay. And that was hard to take. But mm. so there's these two things that I thought I'd be great at not working. And now I'm gonna go and be a barber. Okay. So was like, there like a bit of shame around it? Yeah, for sure, for sure, definitely. And even through the time I got taught from my uncle when I was twelve, through the whole time, like that's why I was cutting in my parents' house. Realistically, looking back, I could have got a job if I wanted to, really, really wanted to. Yeah. But there was excuses, you know, and I was content. Mm. And yeah, so I went through that did the course nobody knew how long Finished. was the course so 12 years different. ago how long did it take you to become a qualified it's, barber it was only three months wow i did with mr barber oh my goodness yeah because the thing is is it took me two years to become a hairdresser and that was full-time college yeah wow that's so, a big difference yeah so it did that and then I got a job with a guy that changed my life about here, and that's Pule. So then I started working for him. Then within two years, I had to I had to reapply to university or else I'll lose my record. Mm-hmm. Then I got into a bridging program to get yeah. back into university. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm enjoying this barbering thing. Yeah. But I had the second opportunity to go into med school. And I was wow. like, okay. And I just got married and we're looking at it and she's like, okay, cool. So we move from Auckland to Dunedin. Right. Put my job and everything and like get to Dunedin. I start cutting the rugby players here because one of my friends lives down there and he knows I'm good at cutting. So I started cutting and I go through my first year of education. We have my daughter when we get there and I'm going through my first year and within six months, my ex-wife goes for a holiday and doesn't come back down to Dunedin. So I'm with my daughter. So you're with your daughter, a six-month-old baby, in your first year again, kind of cutting hair on the side, right? The rugby team, with a six-month-old. Then my mum flies down to help me look after my daughter. Wow. Then I start unraveling Christmas time because when my daughter leaves, so my mum took my daughter, and I'm trying to sort out all the rentals because now I've got this house that I have to look after and pay rent and I'm a student. Yeah, yeah. And so I've got all these responsibilities and I invest in 50% of a barb shop. Yeah. Then the guy, about three months in, wants to sell synthetic marijuana at the time. And you know how it was, it kind of just hit the market and the, the governments didn't know what to do because they never seen something like that, didn't know how to regulate it. Okay. And it took so long to be R18. So that was about February he, he wanted to. And then March, I met Amy just by conversation. Right, okay. 
and I'm still a mess. My head, yeah. like, I thought I had a family. Now I don't have a family. Yeah. And my mom's getting ready to come back with my daughter. And whenever I'm with my daughter, I'm centered. But when I'm not, I'm like all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing I didn't want was to have synthetic marijuana. Then we're going through it. And I was talking to my mom. My mom's with me for a month. She's like, I think you should get your own place. And I think I should take your daughter and I'll look after her. And you come up in the holidays mm. and you do this year and see what happens. So you're 27 at this point now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 28, I think. 28. Yeah. And then as soon as my mom leaves, I'm like, wow. on this now, because I get out of the business because I don't want some food. So I don't yeah. have anything to focus on. I'm at university. And I just don't give a shit anymore. Mm. Like, I mean, to be a doctor, because I'm going to have a family, financially, yeah. that's going to secure me. Wow. And, my, and then I met Amy, and poor, she had to deal with so much of my shit. Oh. Like, like, we were talking on the phone. We, when we first met, we had only a conversation. There was no contact, no nothing. We talked for the whole month of March. Then I went AWOL. Yeah. No so surprise. My, yeah. with everything that you just experienced yeah and then she just kept messaging me then i just messaged her back and we went and watched a couple of basketball games at the end of april and we just started getting to know each other then by june we were kind of meeting up on a regular kind of dating but not really mm. then september like we kind of like okay cool this is like something that we both wanted to pursue yeah but i was still dealing with shit I was still dealing with heaps of shit. Mm. And then it wasn't until the following year where I got therapy and counseling yeah. and everything. And yeah, she helped me. She told me, and I, and I stopped the uni that year. Mm. So I could take a year off, but that's it. And I took a year off, and that's when I opened my barbershop in Dunedin. Yeah. What's your barbershop called? Fresh Crew Barbers. Fresh Crew Barbers. Yeah. Where did you get the name from? What sparked that? I think uh, fresh is always a really derogatory term towards Islanders. Mm -hmm. Okay. We also play on that for, for haircuts. Yeah. So because me, my Tongan mate and Maori boy, and we're a crew and yeah. we just go, we're fresh and we're cruising. I love that. Yeah. So we started Fresh Crew Barbers and wow. the crazy thing was... I worked with both of them and I taught both of them at the, my previous shop that I took 50% off. Yeah. But my best mate got hooked on synthetic marijuana. Okay. So we weren't going to start the shop because I was with Amy at the time and I was dealing with my stuff and I'm getting counseling and just mm -hmm. what his roommate came and knocked on my door and goes, you got to come get your mate. He's been in his room for three days and it stinks. He's talking to himself. He's just smoking too much of that, that stuff. And I just went and I knocked on his door and I stayed there for almost a whole day until he came out of his room. I go, look, I want to start a barbershop, but I want, don't want to do it on my own. I want to do it for you. And I was like, I also want to do it with Joel. So I rang up Joel and Joel came over later that night. We got pizza. We fed him. He hadn't been eating for like days. And I had a whole plan while I was sitting out there like, okay, these are the names I like. This is what we're going to do. This is the pricing. This is how it's going to work in our business. And when they both came together and it's all in one day, this was a Tuesday. And we just smashed it out, 
had a beer and I was like, okay, cool. I'm coming to you guys tomorrow. Let's, let's start looking. Nobody had a car and let's, let's scrap all our money together. We had $1,800 and we started a barbershop and opened it next week, the following Wednesday in Dunedin. $1,800. What? Yeah. Yeah. In I seven have, days. I'm having a reminiscence. Did we talk about this? You know, when we was eating noodles? Yeah. Was you telling me this back then? I've literally just twigged. I swear you've told me this, but it's still it just... $1,800. Fence paint for our walls. We had to get Sally's all clear and fillers because we don't couldn't replace the floors. We were so lucky when we ripped out the carpet. It was weird because we had no money. And we're filling in gaps because we couldn't pass the health test in these old wooden floors with these liquid nail pumps and just sanding it. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, no, we got like Marathon Warehouse for like 20 bucks. We got tattoo chairs, old tattoo chairs for like $10 each that we used. And it was pretty bad. The one thing that was really good, we didn't have to pay signage straight up. And that was like $300. <laughs> they gave us a month to pay it. We're like, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> you've, got, you've got like a month to get this $300 together. Yeah. And our first day of business, we made $320 and we were so stoked. We were livid. We were like, oh my gosh. We did okay. It. So was you the one yeah. cutting hair only? Just you? All three of us. So had they trained as barbers as well? I trained them because I, I was cutting when I was at Otago. How I got to cut the rugby guys was through my mate. His name's Mace. Oh, yeah. I yeah. went to high school and he saw how much money I was making cutting students for even 10 bucks. And he's like, dude, teach me how to cut hair. I'm like, sweet, just buy some clippers, I'll teach you. Oh my goodness, and me. Then when I became a shop owner, 50% at this place called Uptown Barbers, Tim knew a guy who worked at a meat works that was alright at cutting, but he needed teaching. So this is kind of like everything just kind of like but accidental and I started teaching people. Then... Joel came in and I was like, sweet, but I'll teach you too. <laughs> then I told him. Oh my then, God. But we used to have lines in Dunedin plus at Uptown. I would cut on a Saturday, easy 30 people on my own, easy. How many minutes a haircut? 15 to 20, easy, with designs. Cut for and finish. How, Bia? How? I, I've tied my fastest haircut with cut for it, zero fade. Scissors style, seven minutes. I just can't comprehend this because it takes me yeah. one hour to do a fade. Are you talking like, to the client in this time? Because maybe I just talk for half of my consultation. Yeah, I talk. I talk. I, I've done 43. That's my biggest day from nine to five. 43 haircuts. 43 haircuts. In one day. See, because my automatic instinct is... If you go to a barbershop and you've got a haircut in 15 minutes, it's a shit haircut. I mean, yeah. it's not always the case. There are some barbers, hence yourself, who's bloody amazing at what they do and they can do it quick and it's an amazing result. But if I was to do a haircut in 15 minutes, I would bodge that up so much. And I think it's because I've got where I've got my hairdressing background and I section everything that's where I'm using time up in that appointment is all my sectioning and my clipping, like, you know, clipping hair out the way because it's just ingrained in me. But, yeah. you know, barbers just push the hair out of the way. 
or you know for instance one thing that I still don't do is scoop and cut scoop and cut I just I have to section it's the way you've been taught right so like we call it the barber sweep right you just sweep from front to back but I do find when I do that I get this wave so if I comb all the hair up I can see this bit of a wave yeah the steps are in like that's definitely like if your sections are too big yeah definitely and a lot of barbers sections are too big because they use the wild comb yes yeah yeah that's true yeah but yeah crazy so that's how it all started we had fresh crew barbers in Dunedin did all our signage like design and like she she taught us how to hang a mirror because we didn't know how to do that well Amy yeah nice she's more handy than me you wouldn't trust me putting a bed together trust me that's so funny I think that's the nice thing is a woman's touch I think sometimes is just what a place needs yeah I always say to people it's people you know it's a cliche thing but when I join Barker's Amy's ideas are engraved in what Barker's is right now how we branded our services was her idea and I took it to the board wow really yeah Oh. Her colors, like to to make it different with coppers and blues, was her idea, and that's what really? is. That's yeah. interesting, isn't it? It's crazy because for me, even because we did the journey together, opening Fresh Crew Barbers, then the journey of opening the Urban Collective Barber and Tattoo Studio in Auckland. Yeah. yeah, she was part of the creative process the whole time, and I think for me. This is one of the lessons that I kind of realized going through all of this, that even now, working with someone is much more powerful than working on your own. Yeah, oh, like, massively. Working on your own can be really lonely. Oh, yeah. It can be a struggle. Yes, it's really rewarding, but I share all my successes with someone, whether they're in the industry or not, but because I share my process and my goals with them mm-hmm. and trying to integrate them into it mm-hmm. has made me more powerful. Like, yeah. and, and now I see that with New Zealand. I was coming into New Zealand for this trip, wanting to do all the education on my own. Then I stood back and I go, why don't I practice what I preach? You know, preach. I will contact a couple of barbers and I go, what do you think about doing a collaboration? We're not all in the same aspect of barbering. We might not be at the all same level, but that's fine. Like, I think that's the offering that we want to show. Mm. We don't have to be experts yeah. or, or, or educated in a certain realm. Mm-hmm. I've got Bez, who is YouTube, and he's that new era kind of type of barber. Yeah. Lady, who's kind of like the old era of learning in the garage, you know? And now I've got myself that I learned in the classroom. And yeah. kind of having the aspects in. And yeah, so my biggest thing is if you can find someone to do it with us. Like, definitely. Like, and like, I felt like the mental health stuff that you brought to New Zealand, no matter what you think, I think it was impactful. Thank you. I think you united people that wanted to be united in a certain cause. And whatever scale it was, it was impactful. Yeah. So, so sometimes some things don't, have a long longevity or shelf life that we want it to be, but that, that doesn't mean that it didn't make an impact. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the nicest things was when we all participated for the day at the beer spot 
although we didn't get to see each other throughout that whole week, we all yeah. knew that we was all doing, we was all going to the same chair and, and cutting yeah. people's hair there and raising funds. Because you was on the Monday, wasn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kicked it off. And, and then Julian was on the Tuesday, I think. And yeah, it was so nice. And you're completely, you know, what you're saying in terms of just bringing people together and collaborating and integrating everybody's knowledge and experience and all together is so much more impactful. And it's a showcase of the versatile, the levels and the interest and the passions within the industry, right? Because some people might yeah. love this section of it and other people might love this section of it and other people are a bit more widespread, you know? That's the beauty. I was thinking about this podcast and I was like, not trying to be clever, but I was trying to be more insightful and kind of really reflect and really kind of look at our industry and what's happening and what's going on, what it's going to look like. And man, I just came to a conclusion because this is such a creative space. There is no absolute, everything is fluid. Everything is subjective. And I love that. I love there's no absolute. I love that there are no rules. I love that there are rules, but you don't have to stick to them. Like, yeah, completely. I think that's where I've kind of found my space in it is where I kind of like structure. Yeah. But then I also like the freedom to be out of that structure, you know, from time to time. And that's why a lot of people become hairdressers and barbers, because it's almost like we don't want to conform to society. Yeah. A certain creative space where it's expressive, it's a rebel, kind of rebel mentality in a sense. But I love, like, people always tell me, what are barbers? And I'm like, they're pirates. <laughs> Well, we they're pirates. pirates. I love that. We are pirates. Like yeah. that's how I see us. That's our lifestyle. If you mm. look at it. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I've never actually thought about it being like we're rebels, but we're but we're nice rebels, right? We're good rebels. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're good rebels. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it is a little bit of a rebellious industry, isn't it? Mm. You know, it kind of goes against the grain a little bit as well, and. There are, yeah. although, like you say, there's rules. We go against those rules because yeah. we learn the foundation and we're like, right, brilliant. Well, I'm going to do it my way now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's why I always say, well, pirates, we can be part of the crew and we want our own crew. Yeah. Then we don't want our crew. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want our own ship. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's just like we're just sort of up and down. And, and I've kind of like, ego aside learned that in the last three years yeah and i knew that's what i wanted to learn and like to go from what people may perceive from here to be what people perceive to be here but for me i felt that was my journey it didn't matter where mm -hmm. i was going down I, mm -hmm. I wanted to experience that in a different country and yeah it's been really interesting and it doesn't change whichever country you go to you know like in the uk like yeah the personalities just kind of gravitate to our to <laughs> to this creative medium you know i love it yeah i wouldn't change it i wouldn't change the fact that people want to learn from home and if the system whatever they think the system is <laughs> yeah whatever it is at the moment in time yeah yeah like and like like people go oh man we have so many haters i was like 
you can't take that away from us. This is yeah. people get to express what they think and feel yeah. about what they love or passionate about, you know, and and that's fine. Definitely. Looking back now, obviously stepping away from med school and everything, is there ever a moment that you kind of think, oh, what would my life be like if I continued being a doctor? Or do you regret not going down that path? Is there any form of regret there at all? Or you kind of knew deep down that this was within you because you'd been doing it already for so long and you enjoyed it? I think just starting off, yes, um, because my parents didn't really accept that this was a real kind of career mm. still. And at the time, my first couple of years leaving university. But then I realized like a lot of whys in my life. Why do I do things? Like now I do things with intention. Or even if it's unintentional, I try to figure out why did I do it. Yeah. And I wanted to be a doctor was to, to help people. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was saving lives, but it was really to help people. Then when I started barbering, then I looked back after my first two years after I opened my shop and my mate, one of our other friends go, came to me and goes, you saved your best friend's life. He was in his room. He was on the edge. And for me, that was wow. I acknowledge it. I'm going to take credit for it. But then I also saw how that could that can affect other people if I keep doing what I was doing. Yeah. And that's why even now, kids that will message me I've never met, I'll take the time to message them back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I go, hey, how's it going? Because I was charging consultant fees. Then I was like, I'm not going to charge consultant fees to these kids. They want to learn. Yeah. I'm just like... You know, this is cool. Like I always say, if Felicity, if you're strong in our industry, the industry's got to be strong. I'm going to be strong. Yeah. I believe in that foundation. If we yeah. can all be strong in whatever aspect of hair we are yeah. doing, there's always got to be a place for us in society yeah. and to yeah. work and, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah, I initially, but now I feel more inclined to do what I'm doing now in terms of yeah. education, in terms of even visiting people, even in terms of just giving time to someone that want to talk to me or even just approaching people like, yeah, I understand my role. And yeah, and, and, and I'm embracing that a lot more these days. In terms of you saying you're embracing your role, do you feel like it's took you a long time to kind of really get to the point of you really knowing deeply who you are within the industry was there quite a bit of times where you was really unsure of who you are and where you where you stood in the industry as such yeah oh yeah definitely i thought i think i don't know if i touched on this before if you i always tell people to give me whenever i I interview someone or everybody wants advice i go you have to self-assess yourself honestly and you got to tell me where you are in your learning or in your skill set or where you are at in barbering or hairdressing. And so for me, when I, in 2016, when my first competition, 17, I was like, oh wow, I'm starting to get traction, starting to get popular, mm. I got heaps to learn. Mm. And then the time, high-tech kind of just went, and they're like, there, 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 like, let's do that. And for me, I was, as a person, I'm only, I've only just won a couple of competitions. I still got a lot to learn. There's a lot that I still want to do Mm -hmm. before I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. 
like, and they were like, no, you're fine, you're ready. So I wasn't embracing it at that time because I felt like I was here, but they felt I was already here. So whenever people tell me they're here, but really they're here, this is how much growth you've missed. And I felt like I'm missing all my growth. Like when you're trying to put me up here, but really I think I'm here. Yeah. So there was a struggle. There was a struggle to embrace something that I felt that was bigger than me at the time. Mm-hmm. And there were certain things about what they were doing that I embraced, but I was really uncomfortable with. And it wasn't their fault. Barbering was blowing up real big. I've beaten Australians. Like I'm head of barkers, the first kind of like big chain kind of, okay. you know, kind of medium to high end barbershop that's yeah. kind of really getting some traction, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was just kind of like this storm that was just kind of brewing that I wasn't expecting. Like my first competition, I didn't enter myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, did I tell you that? No, come on, tell me this story. Okay, so I'm working for Barkers, right? I just became their national business manager in February. And then all of a sudden there's this news coming out there's this new expo coming and it's all about barbers Mm -hmm. it's all about competitions and all these things that's going to happen for two days and it's called barbercraft yeah and i'm like oh sweet this is awesome so i go to my guys my executive guys my marketing guys i'm like hey look i want a booth there i want to advertise what we do as a shop as a company i also want to donate some prizes and blah 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 so we go through the talking and we go through the competitions and they're like, oh, you should compete. You're really good. I'm like, no, I'm not even that good. Don't about that. So, so we go through the process setting up and getting planning our booth and everything. And yeah, so a couple of other barbers entered, which I encouraged. Yeah. And two weeks before the competition, my marketing guy for Barkers goes, we've entered you in. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you're our head barber. You, you have to. And I was just like, what? Oh, God. Yeah, so I'm nervous. I'm a wreck. Yeah, I bet. I would be too. I mean, I've not entered any competitions and I would love to. And like even do some work on stage and stuff. But I really feel like I've got so much growth to do to be able to feel confident to do that. So there's you kind of just being told, yeah, so you're entered into the competition. Like, geez. And the funny thing is, for four weeks prior, I was told. So six weeks out to competition, I'm training up because we had a couple, we had a girl doing the trainee section. We had Mace, my best friend, who I I own Fresh Crew. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I interviewed him and got him into Barkers. Yeah. And I got Joel into Barkers and Joel became our manager in the the Dunedin. Okay, okay. (laughs) Wow. So those two owe owe me their lives, so. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely. I'm going to, I'm going to really make sure they find this out, you know? <laughs> yeah. So you owe a beer. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I put a plan together and structure together and train and I was training them to what to be doing in the competition. Wowza. What a conversation already. I absolutely hope you really enjoyed that. You found some things really insightful, very intriguing, and it's making you want to get tuned in to next week's episode seven, where Via and I continue our conversation. In next week's episode, we'll be covering things about competitions and competing, individuality and integrity of service. 
honestly lovelies you are gonna love next week's episode and if you don't well I'm gonna be bloody surprised because Via is a bloody inspiration to me I wholeheartedly believe in his pursuit within the hair industry I respect him so much I look up to him he's somebody that I can always turn to and he has never ever judged whatever I say so keep your eyes and ears peeled and I will catch you next week my beautiful beautiful human beings ciao for now join me every Wednesday for a wholeness podcast I'll catch you real soon Peace, love and light.